how do you make your speech sound nice? Why is it that some people's sentences seem to flow really nicely, but yours feel like you've got a lot of gaps or a lot of hesitations, or it just doesn't flow as nice, not smooth? You don't feel you express yourself very elegantly, for example. Well, one of the reasons, and there are several different things at play here, but one of those reasons why some people seem to be able to have smoother sentences, let's say, comes down to connectors and linking words. I've actually had a few people now who have written an email to me and said that they'd really like me to cover connectors on the podcast. So I imagine this might be a topic that you're interested in as well. And it's a really, really, really useful topic for Business English. So what I'd like to do is start a new series talking about connectors. Now, this is a big topic. So really, I'm going to break it down and I'll tell you about how I'm going to break it down after the intro. And I want to take it step by step and and build it up with you explaining about some of the most useful connectors in business English. So that is what is on the agenda today. So we're going to start looking at connectors. I'm going to give you kind of a foundation and an introduction. And then in a couple of future episodes, we're going to go into them in more depth. for international professionals who want to speak more and speak better. Whether you're based in Spain, like me, maybe you're in Portugal, Japan, America, Australia, Mexico, I really hope that you can take something away from these episodes that you can implement and put into practice in your day-to-day work. That is the goal of this podcast. That is the objective to help you improve the way that you speak and just give you the confidence to speak more when you're at work. If you love the podcast, I highly recommend that you sign up to the Anna with Two Ends newsletter. I send the newsletter every week after the episode, and it's basically a short and sweet summary of all the tips that I've talked about. And it's the only place that you're going to get a written copy of what I talk about in the episode. A lot of people find this really useful, and you've told me you find it really useful for learning the words that I talk about, having a bit of a recap and a refresh. You want to get your hands on that, then sign up to the newsletter. The link is in the description box. If you want to help support the podcast even more, you can tell a friend or a colleague about the podcast, somebody else who you think could benefit from these episodes. You can also leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. I know that it's a little bit different on other platforms. And if you do leave me a review or rating, make sure that you take a screenshot and send me it as a DM or as an email, and I will give you a free training in business listening. Finally, you can donate to the podcast through Buy Me A Coffee. This helps support me as a creator and the costs I have for running this podcast. It is a free podcast and it will always be free. So if you want to support me there, I will leave the link in the description box. 
Just to let you know, as with every year, the podcast is going to be taking a little break over summer to recharge and refresh. The last episode for this season is going to be on the 26th of July. And stay tuned because in that episode, I'm going to be releasing something really special, a little treat for you, which I think you're going to love. And I think it's going to be really, really useful and helpful going into essentially a new year in September. Because September, I don't know about you, but September is kind of the new year for me rather than January, to be honest. So a little break for the podcast, it will give you a chance to catch up on some of the episodes that maybe you haven't listened to yet, or maybe review, re-listen to some of the episodes as well. But stay tuned to that episode on the 26th, because I'm going to be releasing something new and something hopefully really useful for you as well. Right, let's move on and have a look at the main topic, which is connectors. I think people feel a little bit intimidated by connectors, simply because there are a lot of them. And actually, this is massively requested by people I work with. A lot of people, when I ask them, what grammar points do you want to work on? A lot of them say connectors. They're like, oh, I heard somebody using this sort of nice little connector word and I want to use it too. And ultimately, it's kind of like a sign. You know, I've heard a lot of people say that if they hear somebody using connectors they think they have a, a more sophisticated, a more advanced level. And that the fact that they lack connectors means they have a lower level, for example. It is true that connectors, and let's just say linking words, because there's more technical words to describe them, but we're just going to call them words that link sentences together. They do help you express yourself in a really clear way, in a really smooth way, and you get that nice flow with all your sentences, it just sounds good using connectors. But there are some complications to using connectors. Number one is the fact that there's just a lot of them and there's lots of different categories. It would be unfair of me to try to do a 20-minute episode looking at connectors. Like that just doesn't do it justice because these are things that we use all the time and I don't want to rush this. So I really want to take it step by step and have a look at some of the core connectors for business English. And well, in English in general, really, I mean, business English is English, but there are some ones that we use more than others in a business context. Before we move on to that, let me ask you some questions to get your kind of brain in the zone for connectors. My first question would be, well, what connectors do you already use? Because I imagine you might use some already. What connectors do you No, like you understand them, but you don't use them. This is the key one for me because, for example, in Spanish, I know a lot of connectors, but I don't use them all. I mean, maybe that's because I don't need to really in my day-to-day speech. We'll get to that. But I understand them, but I don't use them. I think that's quite common with connectors as well. Some of the things we need to keep in mind and bear in mind from an English perspective are just the fact that there are different categories. So connectors is a umbrella term to include different types of of connectors for different things. Maybe it's sequencing, maybe it's contrasting, maybe it's cause and result, whatever it is, there's different contrastors for different things. Oh, sorry, connectors. See, I'm getting confused already. 
Different connectors, different things. Connectors are great at helping express yourself and they're really, really good in a business context, especially for writing emails, but also for speaking as well. So they're kind of a cornerstone of business English, actually, to be honest. You will use different types of connectors depending on the types of interactions and the types of things you have to say at work. Not everybody has the same interactions as you or the person sitting next to you or whatever. And some of the connectors are going to be more relevant to you than others. There are some that are kind of universal that a lot of people use and they're used in a lot of different business interactions. But for example, I work with somebody who has to talk a lot about processes and procedures. So for them, they're always using sequence connectors before this, after that, next, then. But they don't really have to use connectors about contrasting, like however, even though, because they're not really talking about discussing ideas. It's much more the practical elements of implementing different projects. So weighing up different ideas doesn't really come up for them in English anyway. It's not a conversation that they have to have in English or really in their job, actually. So not all the connectors are necessarily as relevant as others. So it's useful to identify, well, what connectors do I need to use in my job when I'm speaking in English? Another thing to note with connectors is that there is a difference in formality. Some connectors are more formal than others and some are less formal. And what can happen is that if you use formal connectors in your speech, it sounds a little bit stuffy. It doesn't sound, it just sounds too much. So as I go through these different connectors, I'll let you know which ones are more formal, which ones are maybe better in writing rather than speaking. But there is definitely that aspect of formality. Some of them are more formal than others. Some of them are a little bit more universal. I'd also add that one of the best tools you have here is about how does this work in your own language? What is the translation for this connector into my own language? Some people might think, why are you asking me to talk about my own language if I'm learning English? It's really important for your brain to make the connection, the reference point. Your brain is going to look for when you've got a new connector, it's going to look for a reference and you need to give it that reference, like the anchor, the thing that it can go back to. So translating the different types of connectors into how they work in your own native language is very important. I think for connectors as well, actually, I think the translation is really, really useful because once you've got the translation, you're like, okay, I understand. I understand at least what it means and hopefully how it works, which then will enable you to use it in English a little bit better. As I said before, I could sit here and list all the connectors for you, but I really don't think that's going to be very useful and it's not going to really help you to have an in-depth knowledge of the connectors or to be able to have something practical to go away and have a look at. So I really want to do this on a very granular level and go step by step. And the first group of connectors or the first connector type that I want to have a look at is contrasting because this is something that does come up quite commonly in business. And with contrast connectors, you probably already use some of them already. I'm going to talk about them in a minute. It's really when we're talking about weighing up the pros and cons. By the way, weigh up. Everybody loves that one whenever I mention it. They, they absolutely love this, this, this verb. Weigh up is like to consider. 
if you're a visual person, imagine the scales of justice. For me, when I when I say the phrasal verb way up, I'm like, I, I have one thing in one hand and one thing in the other hand. And it's kind of like the justice scales. You're weighing up, okay, what are some of the pros? What are some of the cons? What are some of the advantages? What are some of the different disadvantages? What's this perspective? What's another perspective to come to a decision about what to do, essentially? So you're weighing up different ideas. And when you're weighing up different ideas, you're often using a lot of these contrasting connectors. Therefore, if this is something you have to do often in a meeting, for example, or when you're discussing with people, then these types of connectors are going to be very important for you. Now we have the classics. And I would say the classics are, but, however, on the one hand, on the other hand. These tend to be the ones that people are more familiar with. Maybe you're familiar with them as well. You're like, yeah, I've I've got those. Or maybe not. On the one hand, on the other hand, is a beautiful one for weighing up different points of view and contrasting. It's kind of a phrase. On the one hand, remote work is really flexible and it's a very comfortable environment. But on the other hand, it may lead you to feeling really lonely and also not have a sense of loyalty with the company. A key thing with that one is it's always on the one hand, not side. A lot of Spanish speakers want to say on the one side, on the other side, because in Spanish it's the equivalent of side. So it makes sense. But we always say on the one hand, on the other hand, just to let you know. Then there's also this kind of group of contrasting connectors that people are much less familiar with and use a lot less. Things like whereas, while nevertheless, even though, even so, a lot of people are less familiar with this. And this is something I found with my Spanish is that what tends to happen with connectors is you get used to the ones that you know, as you become a little bit more comfortable or confident with the language, you kind of have your set of vocabulary or set of connectors that you're used to, and you just use them all the time. And I found it quite difficult. I don't know about you, but I found it quite difficult to introduce new connectors into the way that I speak I'm going to pick a really simple example there's one connector that I never use and it might be and this is another important point it might be just because it doesn't come up in the language that I'm using when I speak in Spanish I'm often having informal colloquial conversations I'm not really having conversations about expressing condition because the connectors that I don't really use are things like unless, as long as, like I don't really use them, but maybe it's just because I don't have, maybe it's just because they don't come up with the things that I'm saying. And that might be relevant for you too. It might be that you think, well, I never use as long as or unless or even though. Well, it might be that actually it just doesn't come up when you're having your business interactions. It it might just not be the type of thing that you're talking about, if that makes sense. So I, f- I think that's part of it. And also I just find it's hard to introduce it into the way that I speak. I know that some people have had success or they found it useful writing out sentences with the connector in it, writing out sentences that are relevant for you, things that are actually related to your industry or related to your job or what you do. And that's very important is that the examples that you write are actually relevant to you. It means it's going to be, your brain's just going to be able to connect them a lot more. And that helps. 
So if you write it down and maybe you're a learner like this, you're like, if I write it down, it just, I, I absorb the information, I retain it much more. I'm thinking about a particular client who's the same as me. I'm like that. If I write it down in my own words, I think I retain it better than if I just look at an example. So maybe that's you. And if that is you, then I highly recommend that you write out some different sentence examples with the connectors. And that might actually help you use them when you're speaking, because that's the key point. So I rolled off a couple of different ones there, like nevertheless, even so, even though. So let's start to break that down a little bit. And by the way, this is a series of episodes. So really now what I'm doing is kind of setting up the foundation for the rest of the series. And in the next episodes, we'll go a bit more into depth into some examples, etc. I mentioned there, but however, pretty straightforward. I'm sure you might use those ones already. But again, they're about contrasting ideas. That's why they're called contrastors. Other phrases that can be used in this category of contrastors, and I'm going to group them off, are in spite of, in spite of the fact that, despite, despite the fact that. Now, let me just answer some common confusion points. Number one, people say, is despite of correct? Answer, no, it's not. It's either in spite of or despite. Question two, what's the difference between in spite of, in spite of the fact that, despite, and despite of the fact that? Answer, there's absolutely no difference between them. And I really want you to imagine them like a pair, in spite of, and in spite of the fact that they're a pair, they go together. And then despite, and despite the fact that they're a pair, they go together. So my question would be, which pair do you prefer? Pick your pair and use those ones. Use those ones. You don't need to switch between them all the time. I think that's often a common thing that people feel like they mean different things, but despite and despite the fact that, and in spite of, in spite of the fact that they're exactly the same, they're, they're, they're each a different pair, but they're doing the same thing. They're performing the same function. It's really interesting when you ask people, which one's your favorite? Some people say, well, this feels more natural to me. I don't know. This one feels more unnatural. So a lot of people prefer despite and despite the fact that, but really, I mean, it doesn't matter. Whichever one is the one that you like and just use that. You can forget about the other pair. You understand it. You know what it means, but you don't need to use it because I think what's more complicated is kind of crisscross and use both of them or whatever. So pick the pair that you like and use those. So that's one of the biggest questions I get about that one. And they're very valid questions. And another one that comes up a lot is different types of small corrections that people make with those two. And this is really because you need to be focused on what comes afterwards with despite and despite the fact that I'm just going to choose that pair here, because what comes after is not the same. A typical mistake that you'll hear is that somebody will say something along the lines of, despite there was a disagreement, they went ahead with the plan. Because again, despite is a contrastor. So it's looking at even though this happened, this actually happened. It's introducing something surprising, something unusual, something unexpected. Well, what's the problem with that sentence? I'm going to repeat it for you. See if you can spot it. Despite there was a disagreement, they went ahead with the project. 
The correction is that it should be despite the fact that there was a disagreement, they went ahead with the project. Despite the fact that is followed by a subject verb clause, like in that statement, there was a disagreement. Despite is followed by a noun or a verb in gerund. And that's where that little mistake comes in. It's an absolutely normal mistake to make. It makes perfect sense. And honestly, in a way of making the mistakes. And, and honestly, it doesn't stop me understanding you. And I've been saying this actually quite a lot. So I think it's a valid point to bring up here. And I know I've mentioned this before about you have to think about mistakes are not weighted the same. Some mistakes, I can't understand what you're saying. I don't know what the meaning is. Other mistakes I know exactly what you want to say, but it's not right. And this is one of them. I know perfectly if you want to say, despite there was a disagreement, they went ahead with the project. I know exactly what you want to say, but it just sounds weird. It's just not quite right. So again, don't freak out if you think, oh, I've definitely made that mistake because I understand you perfectly. It's just, it's not quite right. And we want to try and correct it, but it's not like live or die situation there I still understand what you want to say goodness me I've just looked at the time and I've been babbling on about connectors for 20 minutes but I think it's important to start with this introduction rather than going really in depth into all of the connectors so just to wrap up then connectors are really 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 important for business English and depending on the type of interactions that you have is going to mean that probably you're going to use more type of connectors than others Some connectors you probably use already and they're kind of the classics, the ones that everybody uses, but there's definitely room to normally with most of the people I work with, I can really see that there's definitely room to improve and perhaps add in some new types of connectors that are actually going to help you express yourself in a different way. Because I know from speaking Spanish, if you don't use the connector, it's like you're not actually expressing yourself in that specific way or you try and avoid it or go around it. So in an, in the next episode, let me go into more depth around these contrast connectors because I appreciate I just kind of talked about some key questions. So let me go into depth with that. And I'm going to include some of the examples that I've given today in the newsletter as well as that information on despite, despite the fact that. And please get in touch with me. Let me know if you have any questions when I'm doing these episodes that I so I can address them hopefully and answer them in the episodes over the next couple of weeks. I will leave it there for today then and make sure that you sign up to the newsletter if you want to get a little summary of all the things that I talk about in the episode. It's absolutely free to sign up to. The link is in the description box and I will see you next week for part two. Have a lovely week, day, whatever and I will speak to you very, very soon. Bye-bye.